Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Okay, here we go. Let's do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to open up your Bibles to an amazing part, and it's in Matthew, Matthew chapter... Let's just go, we're going to read like 10 chapters tonight. Nah, just saying. Nah. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, maybe chapter 4. Let's go 1 through 10. Matthew 4, 1 through 10. And uh, I'm going to read you a quote right off the bat that uh, kind of changed my perspective. I used to struggle a lot with belief and faith. And I remember when I was in Colombia, I lived there a few times already, although I'm not Colombian. Uh, I was in pursuit of God, man. I didn't, I didn't care about religion. I still don't really care much about religion. Uh, I was really in pursuit of God, the real thing, you know. I heard of people talk about the spiritual realm, and I just, for some reason, every person I heard talk about the spiritual realm seemed weird to me. And so I knew there was something there. I just didn't want the weird to come with it. Does that make sense? I'm like, I know it's real, but I don't like when you shake and you tell me at the same time. And so, and so I began to really realize, like, Lord, are you real and can I see past many of the things I just don't understand at the moment? Now I understand many things. And, uh, but I didn't understand. I still got a lot, a lot to go. But I didn't understand something. So I couldn't get past it. I couldn't get past the hypocrisy. I couldn't get past the, the churchiness of Christianity. And I was like, there's got to be much more than that. And I remember I would pray prayers, weird prayers like this. Like, like God, if, if it's real, if this whole spiritual thing is real, I don't care if it's a demon. Let it scratch my face. I just want to know that it's real. And things like that. I really wasn't pursued of the truth of the spiritual life. Because I knew there was a part of me that was, that was not a, a body, that, that was not, you know, uh, something emotional. There was something else. There was something more. When you pass away, when you die, when your physical body, when, when, the, when it, this is gone, what happens? Where do you go? We have a funeral coming up. And to be honest with you, it's called a graduation for us. Because that person gave their life to Jesus. That person knew the Lord. That person went to encounter. She was one of our 144. We can tell you she knew Jesus. But what can you do? What can you say about your life? What is that third component? I mean, you have your body. You have your mind, you know, and your, your emotions, your will. But what's that third component? It's a spirit realm. It's a spiritual life. It is you. You are a triune being. God is triune, meaning he is, he is a spirit, uh, meaning the, the spirit of God. Then he has Jesus, and he has a father, right? We understand the Holy Trinity. Yes, amen? Anybody was raised Catholic at least. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Got the Father, got the Son, got the Holy Spirit. But what about you? For you, most of you is just body, body, body. I mean, look at me. Wouldn't you say, yeah? You know, it's like it's body, 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 and it's all the body. And if you're lucky for some of you, you go past the body. And you may make it into the mind. You may make it into some realm where you realize, hey, it's not all fun and games. At some point, i got to grow over here. And some of you guys actually learn some stuff, and that's great. That's called the second grade. <laughs> you want to make it past the second grade, right? And then you got the third level, and that's where really most of us get stuck. And we cannot accept it. Because unless I understand it, I don't believe it. Well, explain to me your digestion, won't you? No, then don't eat until you understand it. Right? Sometimes we stay stuck. We stay stuck so long, and we don't realize there's a spiritual realm, and it's so real. It's more real than the air than you and I breathe. Listen, there's this guy, he said, hey, I don't believe in the devil. And Charles Finney answered to him, you should try to resist him for once. You'll believe. I don't believe in the devil. Yeah, you should try to, instead of working with him, try to work against him. Then you'll know that the devil is real. See, the devil won't show up against you until you actually start working against him. I'm going to tell you this. The devil will not show up. He will not try anything. Why should he? He's got you in his grip. 
Every single night, every single day, he's got you at his disposal. Your emotions are not your emotions. Your emotions is his will imposed on you instead of praising God, worshiping God, building a life that glorifies him, winning souls, making disciples. Instead, he's made you null. He's literally annihilated the purpose of God in your life, and now you're stuck in the midst of demonic oppression. And see, unless you resist him, you will never know that you've been working with him all along. That's been the case for me. If I can ask, to be sincere, how many of you have made your parents cry tears of joy this year? Instead of tears of sadness, tears of, of anger. How many of us can say, you know what, my family is in, is, is in joy because I am part of that family. My friends have grown spiritually because they know that if they don't, I'm going to call them on their sin. Instead of saying, yeah, we're best friends. You mean you're sin buddies. You're not really best friends. What you really do is you're just trying to draw pleasure out of each other. And when that body is not getting what it gets, does that make sense? Then you find someone else that will be down. You know, somebody else that will be with you. So what we're talking about today is how do you get past the first grade, the second grade? How do you actually get into being a spiritual person? I'm going to tell you a quick breakdown of this. And then I pray that tonight God gives you the will, the strength, the ability to overcome temptation. To begin to, for once, start fighting the enemy. One time I, I remember I got in a fight, you know, and, um, and I got my, my bell wrong. Anybody know what, what getting your bell wrong means? That's what we used to say back then. When you go, and you just hear that. Imagine hearing that for like 15 minutes. This guy, his name was Ivan. Out of nowhere, we were talking about some dumb stuff. We are arguing like normal teenagers argue. And out of nowhere, the guy sucks me in the ear. I didn't even, I thought we were friends. Like I thought we were all, always good until I said the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? Like the one wrong thing that the, you know, the, the, the guy got ticked off about. And I realized, wait, we're not that close. We're not that friend. We're not that good. No, we're not that tight. I realized this. Everything's well in your life. Everything's going great. You and the enemy until you say the wrong thing. And you start saying something like, hey, maybe I do have purpose in my life. Or maybe, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of sinning. I'm tired of dealing with the same temptation over and over. And the enemy just smashes you across the head with like, I'm breaking up with you. You don't sleep with me anymore. <laughs> I'm going to cut your services. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Or maybe you say, you know, I want to get radical. I want to follow Jesus. And your family all of a sudden is Catholic. You're like, dude, we were never Catholic when I was smoking weed, you know, like every night partying. And all of a sudden, we're religious. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like everything is going great. And then, boo, you get your bell wrong. And all of a sudden, things get super hard. Or you decide to give your tithing. And all of a sudden, like your boss starts threatening you to fire you at work for no apparent reason. You know, you start trying to be faithful in an area of your life. And all of a sudden... You can hear a bell wrong. And this is what I want to I tell you. Jesus had the all of a sudden moment. He had the moment where his bell was wrong, believe it or not. He was fully human. He was 100% God, yes, but 100% human. He rid himself of his godness to make himself one of us. This is what happened. And I want to tell you today, this is how you fight back. Uh, we're going to read just the first 10 verses. Uh, are you guys ready? You guys good? Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, cool, cool. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 10. If you don't have it, it's okay. you got a phone. Use it for something else other than social media. Open it up and go to Matthew chapter 4. I don't have a Bible app. Go to Google, put Matthew chapter 4, verse 
1 through 10. Matthew 4. Just put Matthew 4. It will come up. You guys got it? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait because I know some of you guys are still thinking something else. Got it? All right. Matthew 4. You guys all right? Okay. Formation Fridays. Now, some of the some of the some of the concepts of church have been long forgotten. I was reading this last night, no, yesterday, in the morning, and then at night I showed it to Elni. Um, and this is the Apostle Paul, like speaking to the church, and the way this man would speak to the church, it was like he says he says things like this. Uh, this time I won't hold back. For those of you that have been sinning and haven't changed your ways, expect the full force. Expect me to not hold back. And I'm like, ooh. That's crazy. Like, what are you going to do, Paul? I don't know if he would pull their ears, smash them, and slap them. I don't know what he would do. But all I know is that he would confront sin. And many times in church, we no longer confront sin because we're afraid of people leaving. And the way, the way we see it here at CFF is that if we don't confront sin, then you leaving, it's on us. Because eventually sin will pull you out of God's will. Does that make sense? At least if you know what you're doing wrong, you have a fighting chance. If you know what you're doing wrong, at least you won't blame God because he didn't work. Does not oh, God, you know, I tried the church thing. I'm sorry. You don't try the church thing. You either live in Christ and you truly give your life to him or you're not going to do it at all. I, you don't try to be married. Like if you go in there with that mentality, you're already divorced. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm going to try to do this marriage thing. No, bro. You either die and live a new life. Or don't even try it because you're going to destroy the other person. Any married people in the house? All right. You guys know what, I, you guys know what I'm talking They're like, whoa. <laughs> no, they're happy, right? Amen? Jared, Jared, how's marriage? How's marriage? All right. <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool, cool. Then Jesus, <laughs> chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by Louis. Louis, you're getting married tomorrow. Where's Louis at? Whoa. Louis and Natalie, where are you guys at? They're not here. They're not getting married? Oh. Is it tomorrow? <laughs> Woo. You know, some girls are like, don't go to church for a whole month because they're getting married. You know, like, I ain't going to church I'm getting married this month. You are going to be all right, girl. You're going to be more than all right. Come on, like, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. All right, then Jesus was led up to the sp uh, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That verse always puzzled me. I'll try to explain it. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, capital S, meaning the Spirit of God, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, how long? He then became hungry. Then, after, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, what do you mean if you are the Son of God? Isn't it weird how the devil will always try to mess with your identity? Like the first thing he'll try to get you to do is pretend like you have no purpose. Like he's trying to talk to Jesus and he knows that if he talks to the Son of God, he will not be able to tempt him. And so the first thing the devil will do, he'll let you believe that you're just another black dot on a black sheet of paper. That there's nothing special about your life. If you are the Son of God. You know, the Lord had just told them, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the devil's like, if you are even the son of God. Isn't it amazing how Satan tries to do that with you? What if I told you, better yet, what if you tell the person next to you, you got purpose. Tell them, you got purpose. You got purpose. The devil will always try. He will always try to downgrade you. He'll always try to make it seem like if you just 
earn 18 bucks an hour, you're going to be all right. 20 bucks an hour, 40 bucks an hour, 50 bucks an hour. I'm sorry, that's, you can never pay me enough for me to stop living out my purpose. Does that make sense? Yes, I'll work. Yes, I'll earn money. Yes, man, I'm going to be blessing people left and right, loving God with it, loving people with it. But don't you ever reduce your calling to a function. Listen, never reduce your calling to a function. Who are you? Uh, my name is Pablo and I'm a nurse. No, I'm sorry. Your name is Pablo and you're a child of God. Amen. As a matter of fact, you're a beloved child of God. Amen. So it's not like, uh, what, what, what are you? I work at Starbucks. Great. You mean that's part of your platform. You're a doctor. That's part of your platform. But you're a beloved child of God. First thing the enemy, come on, give God a shout of praise. Why not? The enemy will always try to downgrade you. He's trying to act like you have no reason to exist. You're just another part of this great whirlwind. And I'm not going to go further into that. But I, you got to catch that, okay? And so the tempter came and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones, become bread. And I love Jesus. He answered and said, it is written. Say, it is written. All right? Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. First temptation is this. The first temptation you will ever, if you learn how to beat these three categories of temptation, you will be able to overcome. You'll be an overcomer. You'll be able to have a spiritual life. You'll be able to be efficient and effective in your own family, in your own ministry. Many times you get neutralized by the enemy. Not because you're bad, not because you don't love God, just because you don't know how to fight. You'd never learned how to fight spiritually. And I don't blame you because no one ever taught you. You see, I'm putting my boy in jujitsu as soon as possible. Wait, I know some of you guys are like, oh, how mean, how bad. It's okay. My boy's super nice, a nice kid. He's one of those kids that likes just really nice. Like if you come and try to take something, you don't have to take things from him because he's going to give you that and the other thing. And you're like, no, fight back. You know, <laughs> like the one-year-old is trying to like make the five-year-old fi like cry. So my boy and I are going to do, do, be doing jujitsu. I like that, you know. Um, but not, not because I'm thinking like that's the thing that's going to save him. Like that's not it, you know. We're going to talk about that down the road. Because I understand that my kid will eventually need some tools to make it past manhood. Like, he'll have some idea, at least he'll have the confidence to know that even if I don't, like, choke you out, I can. You know what I mean? Like, even if you run your mouth, I'm not going to choke you out and then, like, you know, do what I got to do because I'm nice. Not because I'm impotent. Not because I'm, I'm soft and I can't and I can't defend myself. You see, some Christians live like that. They live really, really scared. You are waiting to fall. You don't do anything great because you're neutralized because you never fought back. And in this moment, you're going to have three keys, three tools, how to fight against, against the enemy. The first engagement, the first fight you get into is a fight of provision. You don't realize how amazing your God is and how he can provide for all your needs according to his riches, which are in Christ Jesus, right? So we try to, we try to find our own way. We try to provide for ourselves. The problems you have in your sexuality... I dare to tell you, the reason you, pour, you watch pornography, the reason you masturbate, the reason you sleep with guys, with girls, the reason your Friday nights have sucked out of your life instead of being amazing and power-filled and, and, and inc incredible moments that you could remember and say, that Friday night is when my friend got saved. That Friday night, man, is when I had that one experience with the Spirit of God. Instead, you have been thirsty, starving, looking at your phone, waiting for messages to see what's going to happen. 
Every Friday night, I know you spent your check from the week in garbage that you'll never get back. Friday nights have been a waste most of the time because you don't realize where your provision comes from. And you try to provide for yourselves. You try to look for the wrong things in the wrong places. And God says, I am your provider. What if for just a moment you realize, God, you're going to provide. God, you will provide for me emotionally. God, I don't have to look to every person for approval because I got your approval. And if God approves of me, then what can man do to me? Amen. The reason most of us struggle and fail is because we don't realize how God's going to provide. I'm telling you, I know a guy, one of my friends, Craig, you know, he got in some trouble in school. We were working out and some kid came and he just got in trouble with the wrong kid. And that kid's dad had a lot of money. We lived, you know, that moment was uh, the Arcadia phase and we're in Arcadia moment. It was a nice place, very nice neighborhood. We just lived in the worst apartments Arcadia could ever produce. And so we were in the nice neighborhood, and, and this, this kid, you know, uh, my friend Craig, like, just destroyed the guy's face. I mean, just smashed it. I don't know how the dad got there so quick, came in the locker room screaming, who jumped my son? How many of you? Like, screaming. And Craig's like, I didn't jump him. It was me. And I was like, dang, son, I, like, don't do that, you know? Like, that's a dad. He's like, you want some too? I was like, shh, Craig. No, you know, and like, and, and the dad is like, I'm telling you, Craig was about to smash this guy's face too. And I remember looking at Craig like, no, I could just see his life going, no. And he said, you will never go to school in this district again. And he started screaming at him. Anyway, he ended up going to court. His mom got sued. He got sued. His dog got sued. Everybody got sued. I'm telling you, he had to go to, he had to, go to court. He ended up selling drugs so he can pay the court. Because I'll never pay this amount of money working these hours. Like, man, you're not a dealer. He's like, ah, out of his garage, started slanging, like all kinds of stuff. See, his life started spiraling out of one dumb fight. And I remember thinking, like, dude, I could see this guy's life just, he wouldn't be able to go to school. They wouldn't even think in El Rancho. El Rancho is like the school that you don't want to go to if you're in Arcadia. You know, because that's like the alternative of the alternative. You know, and so he couldn't even make, some of you guys are like, hey. Take the Rancho pin off and you're like hiding it away. <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast and you go, this podcast and you're going to a Rancho, make it, bro. Get out of there. Come on, make it. Go to college. All right? Amen. Amen. We, can be, we believe in you. All right. All right. But this guy, this guy was just like, it's his life, you know. And I can see one bad decision after another bad decision. And then I realized, man, this guy didn't have somebody to defend him. His, his dad was not there. He didn't have a, a father who stand up and say, you know what, no, you're not going to sue my son. Or, or, or maybe, 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 just maybe, after the fact, somebody will say, you know, you're not going to have to sell drugs. We're going to pull out of this together. You made a wrong decision, but you know what? You're not by yourself. But he was by himself, and so he had to do some, some dumb stuff. Listen to me, please. This is where God intervenes in your life right now. Listen, you're not, al you're not alone. God can help you. God will provide. I don't care how alone you, alone you seem, God can and God will provide. And if you can believe that, come on. If you can believe that, if you can believe that God will provide, then I promise you, your decisions will change so much. When someone breaks up with you and that person closes all the doors, but you can believe in your heart, yeah, God will provide. Like, I know, I know. I know it seems like I just lost something, but maybe it's not I who lost. Because God's going to provide. Does that make sense? Like God will provide. If you can believe that God will provide, you'll save yourself some bad moments in your life. Man, you will not be angry, sad, jealous, biting the walls. Like you're going to be all right. I'm telling you, you're going to be all right. When you realize that God is your provider, 
You don't have to fight to turn rocks into, into bread. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to pretend that you're God. You don't have to try to muscle your way through some things where God alone can intervene. I have to tell you this tonight. When you understand that the Lord is for you and you say, if God is for me, if God is going to provide for me, then I don't have to do everything. I just have to be faithful to him. Provision is his. Faithfulness belongs to you. Provision is his, but faithfulness belongs to you. God is faithful no matter what. Whether you're faithful or not, he's always faithful. But you need to be faithful. Amen? So remember this. I'm going to give you one verse to fight back. Whenever lack of provision is in your heart, maybe your manager says you can't ever go to church again in your life because if you work another day, it's going to be during church times. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Like you get a job, everything's great, you start getting committed, and then your boss is like, you have to work on Fridays, Sundays. And when is your cell group again? <laughs> and then you could say, uh, yeah, no, I, um, I, I, yeah, no, provision, okay? My provision doesn't come from my boss. Amen? This, this is something that I've understood early in my life and has blessed me and I'll never ever let my children be misguided in this. Your provision doesn't come from man. Your provision, provision comes from God. Even if all the doors shut, you'll open a company and that company will be able to hire that guy that fired you one day and you'll provide for their family a job, I promise you. But you have to have that kind of mindset that you, will, you won't always, always have the, the, the minimum wage mindset. You have to say, God will provide. God will provide. Amen. Please give me a shout of praise if you believe that. Amen. So here's the verse you want to seek. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Say how many? Say all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. I remember when, when my ex and I broke up, say boo, Alison, boo. Alison's great. She's married. She's happily married. It's awesome. It's great. We didn't leave each other all bruised up, angry, and all that stuff. It was just a breakup, man. We thought we were going to make it far. When we break up, you know what I ended up doing? I remember I said, God, I'm going to serve you. I don't care. I'm just going to serve you. This will be the last girl I kiss until I find the one. And I have a ring on my, and I said, that's the one I'm going to marry. And that's it. I'm going to serve you with her. That's it. But you know what? Before all that, I was always worried about who, when, what, huh, could it be her? Oh, that's a dude. Never mind. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> It looked good from the back. It looked good from the back. You know, he got long hair. You know what I'm saying? Like you walk into a building and you're thinking, you still worship God like this? Nah. You know what I'm talking about? I know. But when you start coming down and you realize, God, you're going to provide. You're going to provide. God, say with me, God will provide. God will provide. Man, I remember four years I didn't go out with anybody. Some of you guys are like, wow, you're already feeling thirsty. You're like, four years. Never been a day without a guy in your life. Never been a day without a, you know, like, listen, when you start serving God and you realize, God, you'll provide them up. Seek your kingdom first. All these things will be added unto you. My wife is way too hot for me. She's like a 10 and I'm like a 4.7 solid. You know, like, she's, and I'm, I look at my kids and I'm like, yes, like, yes. You know, they, don't, they have two eyes, like, you know, they're no, they are awesome. They're learning Bible verses. They're like awesome kids. You know, so they have a dad and a mom who loves them. A house they can grow up in that they full of love. I'm like, yes, when did that happen? I know when it happened. God, you're going to provide. I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. You're going to take care of the rest. You see, it did it. Come on, give God a shout of praise. It did not begin. It started with his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. 
all these things. What you think I'm the one? Man, there's so many people here that can tell you the same thing. Man, I was broken. I was struggling. Georgie Janet back there, man, their marriage is falling apart, full of debt, eBay addict. You know? <laughs> but all of a sudden, it starts loving God, serving God. And their marriage is like amazing, beautiful. Their children love God. They're bringing people to Christ. They have their cell group. They're part of the 12. I love going to their house. I love going to their house. I don't know if I would have loved going to your house before you were serving God, though. I don't know how that environment looked, but I don't think it was like it's now. See, serving God, it works. Sometimes you don't realize, but, man, he will provide. He will provide. Amen? Second thing that the enemy will tempt you with. First one we said is what? Provision. Provision. The second thing that that, that enemy will tempt you with. Give me one second. I just erased all my stuff. Oh, there it is. Okay, the second thing that the enemy will tempt you with, and it seems pretty, uh, you know, uh, it's like a no-brainer, but the second one is protection. Say with me, protection. Okay, so the enemy will tell, this is what, what Satan worked against Jesus, or he tried to work against Jesus. And the tempter came and said to him, oh, where are we, uh, five. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, there he is again, throw yourself down. For it is written. What? Now you got the devil quoting scripture at Jesus. <laughs> he's so desperate. Like he's done with the lies. He's trying to go to the truth. And you know the greatest lies in your life are sprinkled with truth. Right? So of course the devil will tell you things that seem true. But they cannot be any further from the real. Like the ultimate truth. You know? Um, so for example... Maybe that day you're feeling down and you're feeling like, like nobody cares. You know, you're one of those days where you're struggling. And, and the leader, just that day he decides not to answer your call. Or, or that day he gets super busy and the devil's like, see, they don't really love you. They don't really care about you. You should go to church where they do love you. <laughs> or even worse, start blaming the church, start blaming God. And he'll confirm your fears with some version of the truth. Another thing is, is that the devil will try to tell you what the Word of God says. Unless you know what it says, he'll tell you what it says. Now, he knows the Bible. He's been around for a long time. He's been slapped by it, like smashed. But does that make sense? He's been overcome by the Word so many, so many years, thousands of years. By now, he's like, all right, I'm going to learn that one. You know, and so, of course, he knows Bible. And he tries to tell the Word, who is Jesus, like the Word, the living Word, what the Word says. Can you imagine how desperate you got to be to tell them, well, it is written. You know, the devil could also quote you scripture. You can use the Bible to pretty much do anything. Hitler used it. You know, you could use the Bible out of context to excuse yourself for any garbage out there. Like anything. You could use the Bible to, to excuse yourself. Someone said that David had a motorcycle and it's, I could prove it to you in the Bible. It says that Dave, David's triumph could be heard all over the land. You guys don't know about bike. Triumph is a bike. Okay, anyway, boo. Say boo. That was a bad one. All right, boo. All right, good. You can actually excuse yourself. You can excuse yourself with, with the word of God. Well, pastor, I decided, check this out. This, this couple, right? This is the dumbest couple perhaps ever to walk the face of, of ministry. Right? These people came and then they started talking to each other. They had just come back from an encounter. They're like, you feel really, I feel really strong spiritually. Yeah, me too. I feel like we could, man, it's like, why don't we just lay in bed without doing anything? See how strong we are. The girl said, okay. 
Okay, and they were there. Okay, why don't we just take our shirts off? See how strong we are. I'm sure it started with a shoe, but I'm getting a little hurt, so you guys don't get all, you know. This guy, believe it or not, listen, Pastor Freddie will tell you this story. He's the one who told you. He's like, it was one of his disciples. I was like, people in L.A. don't do that. In Colombia, people do that. In L.A., we're smart. We're smart. We don't do dumb stuff like that. He said this couple came from and ended up naked on the bed because they were trying to, trying to test how strong spiritually they are. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, how? Some of you guys are like, no, you, nah, really? Well, you guys do the same thing. Like, you used to struggle with alcohol, and you're like, oh, you know, I'm strong now. I can go. I'm a witness to my friends at the club. <laughs> you're not. That's not witnessing, bro. That's not witnessing. That's called twerking, and it's not going to save anybody. Do you know what I'm saying? You do the exact same thing. Like, hey, hey. I'm going to try to do this by myself. I'm going to do this relationship on my own, and I'm not going to tell anybody about it, you know, because it worked so well in the past, right? So we're going to try to do this by ourselves and pretend like it's going to work this time. You know, the crazy thing about sin is curiosity. And the dumb thing about sin is that no matter how many times the consequences come, you think it's going to be different somehow, way, the next time. Like, like the next time is not going to have consequences. Every time, same Thing, but sin will tell you this time's gonna be different. And every time it's worse, if not the same. Every time this time will be different. That's what the devil will tell you over and over. Oh, this time you know better. Really? Because last time I tried to do this on my own, it did not work. Going to church doesn't change anybody. Getting discipled, man, that actually helps. Amen. When the Holy Spirit of God begins to work in your life and you let someone show you, help you, confront you, even if someone like sucks at life, but they're able to see something like perspective and they could say, hey, the way you're speaking to your family is going to hurt. It's going to be, it's dangerous. You have to have somebody outside to be able to confront you. Does that make sense? Yes? It won't be different. It'll be the same thing again and again. Pastor Bird says that some people have been 30 years Christian, but they all they've done, they're not mature. They haven't grown in depth in the Christianity. All they've done is done, they repeated the first year 30 times. They do the same garbage 30 years in a row. Are you further along today than you were when you first gave your life to Jesus? If not, I ask why. And it's usually because of this. Because unlike Jesus, you did not know the word and the enemy told you what the word says. So if you don't know the word of God, Satan will definitely tell you what it says. He will tell you what the word says. He'll tell you it is biblical what you're doing. See how biblical it is to not go to church, to not tithe, to not be submissive, to not be obedient. Oh, look at that guy. and Look how well he turned out. Really? I told you guys, this, I, I'm going to say it because it's funny. We went to this restaurant, this vegan restaurant. This lady told us that she had this, that Jesus in the Bible had a lamb on his shoulder, so therefore he was vegan. I don't have a problem against vegans. If you're going to be healthy, be healthy. That's fine. I'll walk in the flesh the rest of my life. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. Look, I'm serious. There's nothing wrong with that. But this girl tried to tell us that biblically speaking, like it is unbiblical not to be vegan. And I was like... If I didn't know the Bible, I would say, oh, yeah, I remember that verse where Jesus had a lamb on his shoulders. And I was like, wait, that's a picture in your grandma's house, dude. <laughs> like, that's not in the Bible. Yes, of course. Yeah, it talks of the shepherd. But the shepherd actually broke the sheep's leg when it disobeyed and kept on going astray. Like, 
Jesus will be cooking fish and eating them. And I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know if you read the Bible, but I did. See, the Bible, the word will never have its effect until you read it for yourself. Until you yourself have gotten the revelation. Some things, some things cannot be prefabricated, pre-made. You cannot have puree Bible. Like, you cannot puree Bible. You know what I mean? Like, you cannot pre-chew it. You cannot have something, like, injected in you. You have to grab it for yourself. The Word of God is one of those things that unless you actually start going towards it. Right now, I'm not teaching. I'm trying to hopefully show you that if you start going with the Word of God, you'll be able to overcome every temptation. But I can't overcome them for you. I won't be there to tell you, hey... Remember, it is written. You need to have that for yourself. Christians, at some point, you're going to have to realize you'll have to know the word of God. I don't know when that will be. I don't know how many more times you'll smack your face on the, on the, on the concrete until you realize it is the word of God that will keep me upright. When I was a junior in high school, don't tell me you can't read the word. I was so hypocritical, man. I, I was living the wrong life. I, a junior in high school with X's on my arms, every, in my hands every time. Come home at 4 in the morning and still would read my Bible. A hypocritical, struggling even to read. I read one book in the entire high school called The Call of the Wild. It took me four years. <laughs> four years. <laughs> it took me four years to read The Call of the Wild. Yeah, exactly. This dumb junior with X's in his hands would read the Word of God every single night. Tell me you can't read the Bible. Please. I'll tell you, it's not that you can't. You won't. You don't even have to read it anymore. Now you have apps for it. All you have to do is click. And that's it. And then just sit there. Eat cookies and hear the word of God. If you really want to grow, you will. But if you don't know what the Bible says, the devil will tell you, oh, it is written. It is written. Come on, it's time that you start reading the word of God. If you read the word of God, you're going to save you and your leaders a lot of trouble. By the time they come and try to help you out, correct you in something, you're going to be like, I know, God spoke. Yep. Yep, I know. You may not even say it, but inside of you, yep, confirmed. Yes, Lord. Yes, I have been rebellious. I need to change. Does that make sense? Like, got it, God. So many times, Eoni and I, man, we, in our marriage, I think without the word of God, without him guiding us, man, we'd be ten times divorced already because we're so different. If it wasn't for the word of God, if it wasn't for what we know of the truth, the real truth, our feelings would have guided us in deep, deep, dark holes. Have you got the word of God in you? Is it in you? Like, is it really in you? If you wait until, until temptation comes, it's already too late. Already too late. You need to start reading tonight the word of God. Amen? Amen. First thing is provision. Second thing is protection. But listen to what Jesus answers to this guy. I love it. He says to him, okay. And Jesus said to him, on the other hand, what does your version say? It is also written like, oh yeah, well, it is also written like, I know the word. You know the word, but I really know the word. People come knocking at your door Saturday morning, waking you up, trying to tell you what the Bible says. You're going to be like, no, bro. Jesus is the son of God. And he came to die for me at the cross. And unless he's your Lord and Savior, I don't want to hear you. Because I know what the word of God says. You may be nice. You could cut my grass every weekend. But don't try to tell me Jesus didn't die on the cross for my sins. And it's not the child, and not the son of God, died and resurrected on the third day. Does that make sense? There's some things in you that need to be so, so, so real for you. And you need to read them for yourself. I go back to that over and over. Jesus said, it is also said. It is also said. On the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't try to put the God, the Lord to the test. 
I love when Jesus says this because so many times, so many of us, myself included, I say, well, God is for me anyway, so I could afford not to have character. <laughs> you know, if, if God is for me, he's going to take care of me. You've never done this, but I did when I was in college. I used to pray, God, help me pass this test and did not study the entire year. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, God is going to be like, yeah, you know what? Mm, I'm going to reward your laziness. And so I'm going to help. That's completely unbiblical. Like, it's not scriptural. God, why didn't you help me? Oh, because you're lazy. And I'm not going to reward your laziness. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to give you candy when you're, like, wrecking the house. Do you know what I'm saying? But for some reason, we're so unscriptural about some things in our lives. And we think God's going to bless you financially when you're not being faithful in your finances. Pastor, don't go there. I brought new people today. We've already gone there for, like, past 20 minutes. So... You know what I mean? Like, it's true. Provision and protection only comes when you're under the shadow of the Almighty. It cannot come when you step outside of the covenant house. I need to tell you this. There was a moment, it's called the Passover, and the Passover feast would be celebrated year after year. You and I know what it is now. We call it Easter. The Jewish people still celebrate Passover, and they know what the Passover night I'm going to defect, defect to my Jewish, uh, you know, counterpart here. Uh, and Jared, um, what is the Passover feast? What does your people celebrate on that night? <laughs> what, what is the Passover feast? Right, should get the Jesus. Uh, huh? But what, is the Jewish, what do the Jewish people celebrate that night? Awesome. Right, the angel of death came uh, as a judgment to the, to the people, right? Uh, mainly uh, to the people that were not of God, the people that were oppressing the people of God. So Moses came and said, Any, everybody, anybody who remains in the house, under the house of covenant, meaning these people were to, to do this, this, apply the blood of a lamb, literally, on the dentals of the doors, the, meaning the uprights and the crossbar, and they were to apply the door, and anybody inside the house would be protected. Anybody in the house, the, the death, the angel of death would pass over the house. That's called Passover. Would pass over the house and would not touch anybody in the house. The children would be spared. The family would be spared. But anybody outside of that covenant house, outside of that, would be destroyed. Children died. Many, many died that night. Because of that night, the Pharaoh finally was able to say, let the people go. Let them go worship God. This is too much. You could hear women all over the city. I don't want you to imagine it because it would be too harsh. Women screaming all over at the same time as they realize their babies are dead. All the firstborns of the land that were not under the covenant, they all died that night. Don't think God is soft for just one moment. Don't think that. God is fair and God is righteous and he's true to his promises. The ones that favor you and the ones that can destroy you. If he's true and if he's faithful, he'll be faithful to both. Listen, this is what the Passover is about. The people that were under the covenant house, the people that were under the blood of the lamb, then the angel of death could pass over their house. The protection of God only comes, listen please, to those that are under the covenant of the blood of the lamb. All things work out for good. No, they don't. That's a Bible verse everybody loves. Well, all things work out for good. You forget that all things work out for good for those 
that love God and live according to his purpose. That's what the second part of that beautiful verse says. All things don't work out for good. Some of my buddies have overdosed and died that way. They didn't work out for good for their mom. Don't tell me things work out for good. Things work out for good for those that are under the covenant of God. Provision and protection come. And tonight is as real as it gets, bro. I promise you. If you were sitting in, your, in my kitchen by yourself, by ourselves, I will tell you the exact same thing. You can live a rebellious, individualistic, self-centered life and you are for, you're on your own. And I promise you, you're not that strong. You'll realize that in a few years, few weeks, you're not eternal. You're not God. You suck at being God. Let the Lord be the Lord. Quit trying to take his job. So much of us try to do life ourselves. And God says, fine. You want to do it yourself? You want to fight against the angel of death? You want to fight loneliness on your own? You want to try to fill your own life? Kurt Cobain, a man in the, in the, the, the top, the peak, he had everything, women, finances. He had recognition of the entire universe, man. This guy was it. Committed suicide for a reason because he couldn't do it on his own. Protection comes to those that remain under the covenant. And I just got to tell you tonight, if you felt unprotected in your life, that is the reason. You need to get under the blood of the Lamb. You need to get in the house of God. You need to start literally saying, Lord, I want the Passover in my life. I don't want it to come against me. I want Passover. I want the beauty of that. The blood of the Lamb, meaning Jesus Christ is the Lamb. And he shed his blood for you. That anyone who has sinned, anyone who messed up against God and against people, anyone and against self, can actually have everlasting life. Please say amen. Protection, protection, protection. Sometimes protection comes not just from others but from yourself. The Lord has had to protect my life from myself many times. From my own selfishness. He has to protect my kids from my, from my own self. Maybe God tonight wants to bring a spirit of protection over your life. He wants to guard you. He wants to protect you. It's Philippians 4.23, and I'm speaking now a little bit different because I realize God is trying to talk to you. Philippians 4.23, I mean, uh, uh, Psalms 4.23 says what? Guard your heart. Proverbs, that's exactly the right verse. Thank you, Paige. 4.23, what does it say? Guard your heart above all else. Why? For it is the wellspring of life. I didn't know how to guard my heart until I came under the covenant and I came under the house of God. For some reason, my heart was guarded when I was serving the Lord. The moment I wouldn't serve God is when my heart was most exposed. Get under the house of God. Somebody, that was for somebody. Somebody just caught it. Amen? All right, cool. Let me go to the third thing. Okay, third thing. The third thing that Satan tried to do against, against Jesus, and this one is quite possibly the funniest. I don't, it's not that those are funny, but this one's actually funny. And, and the devil took him to, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and, the ter and their, their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And this is where I would have started busting up if I was Jesus. But Jesus said to him, go, Satan. I mean, come on, get out of here. In literal words, in my... In nowadays, L.A. words, we're like, brother, please. You know, like he would look at him and say, really? That's what you've got? Like I spoke this world into existence. Now you're trying to give me a chunk of it. Like see, Satan will try. This is the craziest thing. He will try to tell you that with him, there's power. With him, there's authority. That under him, if you serve him, then you'll be recognized. You'll be known. And the Lord is like, really? This is what Jesus says to him. Go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him 
only. And the devil had to obey. The devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to Jesus. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The opposite is also said. Entertain him, and he'll stick around for a long time. A long time. We, so much. CFF LA tonight. Today is an amazing day to be at church. Because tonight, you're learning spiritual warfare. Power comes from God. I want to I kind of come this and just kind of wrap this up with something that I, I found so, so beautiful. This is where Jesus was about to get... Um, um, he was about to get crucified. You know, Jesus is now living out the will of God. He's, he's doing amazing things in this world. And he's standing in front of this, this, this ruler, you know. And it's in John 19, 10 through 11. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you? Power to release you? Listen to what Jesus answered. You could have no power at all against me. Unless it had been given you from above. Meaning any power you think you have is because God allows it. Any of it, it is simply the Lord. I got to tell you tonight, like the Lord has the power to set you in a place that you did not know you can ever get there on your own. Meaning in just a moment's time, he could change your entire life. God can do anything in your life. If you've been struggling and you feel powerless, maybe you've been struggling with addictions, or maybe you've been struggling in your spiritual life with doubt, God has the power to remove all doubt. He has the power to take those addictions from you. He, has, he can give you that power. All power comes from above. Maybe some of you in here, I'm telling you, please listen. I feel a strong tug in my heart to tell you tonight that many times fatherlessness, when you grow up without a father who has shown you what authority looks like and true love. And I mean that love of, a, of, a, of someone in, in authority, some people feel so powerless. Because a person that should have protected you, should have provided for you, abused you, hurt you, abandoned you, turned their backs on you. Sometimes we don't realize that the Lord can provide. The God, Lord, man, the Lord will provide. The Lord will protect. And he has the power to bless you, the power to lift you up. He has the power that even if you die, to give you eternal life. He has power. But we feel so powerless sometimes to change things in our life. Pastor, you don't know, I want to give Jesus my life, but I feel so powerless. I keep trying to follow God and I keep falling back into the same thing. Some of you want to live for Jesus. Win souls and make disciples. Get your 12. Get your 144. But you feel powerless to make some decisions that can help you actually get there. Today is a day where you say, God, give me the power to say no. Give me the power to say yes. God, give me the strength to say, Lord, I, I believe you'll provide. And I believe you're going to provide. I'm not bound to a person. I'm bound to you, Lord. I'm heaven bound. Amen. Like, I, I know, God, that you can protect me. I had a guy one time, he was a, a, a trafficker, not a dealer. The difference between a dealer and a trafficker is a huge difference. A dealer is here. A trafficker does it globally. And this guy came to me and said, I'm so deep into this. I don't have the power to change things. If I do, they'll kill me. I remember that conversation when something like this. Would you like to live the rest of your life 
under the oppression of these men? Or would you rather live eternity in freedom? I wasn't telling them, yes, God can protect you, of course. But at that moment, I said, even if he takes you to heaven, even if they kill you, at least you're in eternity with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But I know I can say that to that man. Because at some point, I lost everything. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? All my friends, everybody around me, gone. Everyone, whoever was close to me, turned their backs on me. Even my brother and sister were nowhere to be found at that point, moment of my life. The girl I was going out with, completely just done. Everything, everything around me. I was so by myself. And then I realized, Mother Teresa said it best. You don't realize God is all you need until God is all you have. Sometimes you think that your provision, your protection, your power comes from the things you have and the things around you. It's only from one place. That's what Jesus says. Anything you've got comes from up there. Anything. If you have that, you're bulletproof. Your heart is bulletproof. Your mind, your, 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 your spirit is so strong. You won't bow to anyone like Satan. Stand up for a second with me, please. If you've been struggling with, with decisions in your life, if you've been succumbing to temptation night after night, shackled about your ankles, some of you men know exactly what I'm talking about. Regretting what you just did, regretting what you were thinking. Women, you cannot stop being an emotional drunk. Sometimes your emotions get the best of you. And you say things you shouldn't say. And you say them because you are so in such need. Well, God will tell you tonight, I will provide for you. Stop looking for provision in those places with those people. Should you find yourself all by yourself, just make sure one is still by your side. And that is Jesus that one person that can actually protect you, provide for you, and give you the power to change it all, that's the one person you have to please. If you're here for the first time and this is your first church experience, I am so glad you heard this message. And not another message. I wish more people in my generation would have heard that message. Instead of, if you come to God, you won't have problems. Instead of saying, if you come to God, there will be a dogfight. But you have the weapons to overcome. Tonight, I'm telling you, temptation will come. As a matter of fact, the moment you give Jesus your life, as many of you will tonight, temptation will attack. Heaven will roar against I mean, hell will roar against you. Man, you don't even know the fight you're in. And I'm so excited to see it. Because then you'll know how strong the Lord is. Then you'll know how faithful God can be. Man, God, you'll, you'll know how, how his provision comes through in moments that you cannot imagine. Through people you never even knew. I'm going to close with a simple testimony. Just one testimony. Eoni and I began serving Jesus full on. We were about to get married. You know, we, <laughs> it was 2009, recession time, you know. We were both doing ministry and instead of working more hours in the secular, which we actually both had our own jobs, it's not we stopped working, God, you're going to provide. We worked. We did some nasty jobs so we can get married. We put pig fat in little test tubes, made acrylic boxes, and sold them to this big company, that would, like fuel company. Those things would stink so bad. I remember looking at my bride, my, my bride-to-be, my fiance, looking at her, she's so beautiful. It was like, I don't know what time. And she smelled, we smelled like pig fat. It was horrible. I was like, you are so attractive right now. 
I never thought pig, pig fat could smell so good. It was so nasty, but it was so awesome. You know, we were working hard. It wasn't like we weren't working. But check this out. We, were, we came up so short for our wedding. Man, we had no, no idea. We, we said we're not going to get married like other people. Like we're not going to get married and have other people be in debt because of our wedding. That sucks, bro. Like that sucks, honestly. Don't do it. If you're going to do it, don't. <laughs> Go sell pig fat if you have to. I don't care. Or, or have pizza on your wedding. But don't put other people in debt for your wedding. Amen? Natalie, amen? Where you at? All right, amen, awesome. Okay, good, good, good. Whew, right? So we were there and we said, God, you're going to provide. But you know what? We didn't stop doing ourselves. We didn't stop winning 12. We were still doing ministry, ministering to people. Every single day, man, we were just, honestly, we were serving God full on. Jared was part of that whole move. You were there to see it, you know. And, and you saw that. I want to tell you this. When the time came to pay things, every single time we had to pay a vendor, I'm, I'm going to tell you this honestly. Out of nowhere, somebody would come and say, God spoke to me and told me to give you this. And we're like, really? Like God spoke? Yeah, okay. We would say, oh, thank you. But then we turn around and start crying, Eoni and I. We just like bawl. I started crying because God provided again. One time we were in the parking lot of the church, and we had to pay everything because vendors don't wait because they got a lot of people trying to get married. You only do it once, and so they pressure you with that word. You, know, like, you only do it once. You're like, I know. Stop it. They're like, Hustlers, man. But, but I was there. I remember being in that pressure moment. I said, God, you know what? You're... At some point, we had to learn over and over. God will provide. This lady came to us, five grand in cash. Just a little envelope said, here, get married. And we were looking at her like, what do you want from us? You know, like, people don't just do that. $5,000. Eoni's back there. She'll remember this. And we both looked at each other, and we were like, thank you. We don't know what to say. She, oh, don't worry about it. Thank you. She left, took off. Eoni and I sat on the car. We didn't speak a second. We didn't say anything. We just like both. And it takes, I don't cry often. But that moment, I just started crying because I was like, Lord, I never had a dad that would pay for my wedding. My father would not sponsor my wedding. He wouldn't give a single dime for my wedding because he can't. He's, he's dead. My dad died when I was two months old. You know, I saw my father provide for my wedding. My dad paid for my entire wedding. My dad paid for my wedding. Well, he used so many people. But my dad did not abandon me in one of my highlights of my life. He knew that I was with him. I was working for him. Over and over, my dad provided. When my son was born, God provided. When my second son, God provided. In this church, the chairs you're sitting on, God provided for them. God has been so faithful. God has been so kind. He's been so good. Would you let God be your providing father? Would you become the beloved son of God tonight? Now, I'm not saying that you're, you're Jesus. Of course, you have to grow a beard for that. <laughs> You'll never be Jesus. Oh, but you could be a co-heir with Christ. Did you know that it is through him that you could be adopted into the family of God? Adopted. That's a wonderful thing. That means you're hand-picked. I mean, some of us were born into our family. They had to take us. But to be adopted by God, it means like you, I choose that one. I got you. I want you. I don't just love you. I love you and I want you. Like God wants to provide, protect, give you the power to change. Close your eyes for a second. We're going to do two things tonight a little different. I'm a little bit over time. Normally we don't go this long. But today was learning how to fight. And I think that your fight began the moment somebody invited you to this church. The fight already began. Some people didn't make it. Some people got beat along the way. They, the enemy won tonight. Doesn't mean we can't fight for them tomorrow. 
But tonight, you made it. You're here. I praise God for that. But if you want God as your father, if you want Jesus Christ to come into your life and to change you, to forgive you, to give you a new life in him, I'm going to lead you in a beautiful prayer. It's a prayer of salvation. It's not magical words. It's words filled with faith that confess Christ as the one and only Lord in your life. You're going to dethrone you, dethrone the world, and you're going to enthrone Jesus in your heart. You're going to say to Jesus that you realize that you need him and that you want to ask him for forgiveness for your sins. You want to ask him to give you a new life, an everlasting life. That you don't want to fight it on your own anymore. That you're done trying to provide for yourself, trying to protect yourself. You're done trying to do that. And you want his power to change. If this is you, if you want to give Jesus your life, I'm going to invite you to raise your right hand. And I'd like to pray for you tonight. You could raise it nice and high. Don't be embarrassed. I see you back there. I see you back there. I see you guys over here. I see you too. I see you back there. I see you up here. I see you to my right. You guys are so brave. Bruh, you're so strong. Raise your hand and high. No one else can see you. God alone can see your heart. Come on. Guy, I see you girl up here. I see you up here as well. Maybe you want to recommit your life to Christ. You knew God, but you walked away. You took your life back from him, and you said, I know I've given it to you, but I want it back. But this time you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I should have never walked away. I'm here. If this is you, you could also raise your hand. You could also tell God, I want you to be my provider, my protector. I want you to be the source of my power. I'm done trying to do this on my own. This is you. Let's pray together as a church. Join them in this beautiful prayer. Tell them, Jesus Christ, tonight I give you my life. I give you my heart. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Would you change me, God? I realize that I need you. Thank you for dying at the cross to pay all my debt. I ask you to change me. Thank you for dying and resurrecting. Would you be my God and be my Savior? I want to love you and I want to serve you all the days of my life. Let me just pray for you. Dear God, I thank you for every person that has made